I'm going to bring the word of God at this time. Uh, we're breaking script from the way the, the morning was drawn up, but um, I feel like it's the right flow. The best way to learn to pray is to pray with someone who knows how. Amen. Uh, many of us have had some amazing mentors in prayer. And uh, we come to one of those this morning, the Apostle Paul himself. Turn with me in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. After three verses of greeting, uh, three sentences of greeting, where Paul identifies himself and he identifies his audience to whom he's writing the, the letter, he then busts into an extended, run-on praise. Then when that praise is done, he then busts into a long, run-on prayer. And that is chapter 1 of Ephesians. There are eight run-on sentences that make up the book of Ephesians, and two of them are in the first chapter. Again, the first one is a praise to God. The second is a prayer to God. The praise is verses 3 to 14. The prayer is verses 15 to 17. Now, some of us need a running start when we start praying. Uh, we don't get right at it. That's verses 15 and 16. Verse 17 is where Paul's prayer really hits. And here's what it says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Or as another translation says, so that you may know him better. Now, first of all, this is a Trinitarian prayer. It's a Trinitarian verse. Once again, we're seeing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in one verse. Just like we saw the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in verse 3 that began the praise, so the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in the prayer. I am asking, praying, that the God, that's the Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the Son, may give to you the Spirit, that's with a capital S, the Holy Spirit. So you've got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one verse. Now what is it that Paul's praying for? That you may have the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to do what? To give wisdom and revelation. Say with me the word revelation. Revelation. Revelation always precedes activation. Say that with me. Revelation always precedes activation. And what this prayer is for is for revelation that leads to activation. Now, when you read the preceding verses which is this long run-on sentence of praise. Verse 3 to 14. When you read that, you wonder, Paul, why does Paul need to pray when all of this is already true? Just follow with me what the, the, the essence 
of this extended praise includes. Verse 4, we are chosen. He chose us. Verse 5, he adopted us. Verse 7, he redeemed us and forgave us. Verses 8 and 9, he is making known through us the mysteries of his plan in the universe. Verse 10, he's united us into one family. Verse 11, he's given us an inheritance. And verses 13 and 14, he has sealed us. That is who we are. We are chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, his witnesses, we are united, we are given an inheritance, and we are sealed. All of that is true about every one of us. But if that is not revealed to us, we're not going to know it. It can be true, but until it's revealed, it's, it's going to sit there. Truth without revelation is not going to accomplish much. That may surprise you. Oh, I thought all we need is truth. No. But doesn't the truth set us free? Yes, it's true. The truth sets us free, but it's the revelation of the truth that activates our freedom. Amen. Let me give you a quick illustration. There was a Japanese soldier in World War II that was on assignment in the Philippines. When the war was over in 1945, the Emperor of Japan uh, surrendered uh, to the United States and declared that the war was over and um, because of that, there could be no more killing, no more fighting, and, and all the rest of it. And the Japanese were to put down their weapons, and the, and the U.S. and others were to put down their weapons, and there was peace. But there was one soldier in the Philippines that did not get the memo. Uh, his name is Hiro Onada. Mr. Onada lived in a cave in the Philippines for a month, six months, 12 months, two years, three years, 29 years. 29 years. He ate slugs, snakes, bats, roots, wood chips. And when they finally got word to Mr. Onada, this Japanese soldier, that the war was over, that he doesn't have to live like this anymore, he didn't believe it. He thought, you're trying to set me up. The word got back to the then emperor, and in 1974, the emperor of Japan sent a personal mandate to Mr. Onada telling him to cease and desist, to come out of hiding, to throw down your weapons and no longer eat slugs and snails and snakes in a cave. The war is over. Mr. Onada came out, he met a woman, he got married, he had a family, 
He lived another 40 years. Imagine, but for 29 years, he was free and didn't know it. Mr. Onada represents a whole lot of us who don't realize what God has done for us. Now, I'm telling you, in this praise, in this first run-on sentence of the Apostle Paul that makes up Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, in there are seven or eight, depending on your translation, seven or eight distinct blessings that are realities of who you are. And you had nothing to do with any of them. These are all done for you by the one true God whose son is Jesus Christ. Amen. The one true God... Father, Son, Holy Spirit has done for you already these seven or eight things. He has chosen you. When you were lost, he chose you. When no other team wanted you to play on their team, God chose you to be on his team. Then he not only chose you, he adopted you. So you now have familial relationship and he wants you to call him father because you are fully adopted. You are adopted. You're not only adopted, but you've been redeemed, which means you're no longer under the master of sin and Satan. You've been now, that's been broken off of you. You're redeemed. So you're now free to serve the one true living God. And you're not only free, but you're forgiven. The past is gone and forgotten. You will never have to pay for your current or past or even future sins because you are forgiven. It's who you are. Now, once that happens, once you are forgiven, then you become a witness. Through you and through us corporately, God is communicating a message to our world through us, through me, through you, each one of us, we become a, a witnesses for the Lord. That's what it says. Through us, he communicates the mysteries of his purposes and plan on earth. That's what it says in verses eight and nine. As we communicate his purposes, we realize we're part of a, a big family. This isn't just us doing this, but, but as a family, we're doing this. So we are united, it says in verse 10. And in that family, we, we realize just how much influence and what kind of riches we have because he's united us in, 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 in the, the riches of his inheritance in us. And in case it ever goes through our mind, are we going to make it? Are we going to win? Or, or is, is the world system going to collapse around us? And are we going to get caught in the rubble? No, we are sealed. Yes. When it says we're sealed, it means we're going to endure. Yes. That, that even though we're gonna, we've got ups and downs along the way, his purposes in us and through us will prevail. 
We are sealed. We make it. Now, when you look at those, and I just mentioned seven of them, but when you look at those seven realities of who you are, almost every lie the enemy has ever told you are intercepted by those seven. Let me give you a few examples. Oh, um, you've been passed over. Others get all the blessing, you don't. No, you are chosen. What do you mean you're passed over? You're not passed over, you're chosen. Oh, but I really don't feel like I belong. Well, you may not feel like it, but the reality is you have been adopted. You have just as much birthright and inheritance in the kingdom of God as anyone else. You've been adopted. Well, okay, I'm adopted, but, but I really feel like I'm still in bondage to sin. Yeah, but it says that you've been redeemed, which means the power of sin has been broken off of you. But I feel so guilty for the things I've done. You may feel guilty, but it says you are forgiven. You have been forgiven is what it says. Yes. Well, but... Uh, I mean, other people have so much to, to offer in ministry. I, I feel like I don't have much to, to, to give, uh, anything of worthwhile. I, I'm going to just let others take care of it. No, it says that through you, he's making known the mystery of God from the foundation of the world. He's chosen to make that known through you. So don't tell me you don't have a place. It says here, that's your identity. Oh, well, maybe, but, but I want to function alone. Uh, I, I, you know, Jesus, yes, church, no. I'm really not so into church. Going to church, all those people and uh, the music and uh, we, we have to pray together once in a while and it gets kind of rough. It makes me feel awkward. Well, you may not feel like you're part of a family, but it says here you are. You've been united together. Yeah. We are united. If we're united, wouldn't it be weird if we never got together? It'd be totally contrary to the purposes of God. Well, yeah, I'm part of a big group, but, but I'm just going to come on Sunday and sit here and go home and and I'll let others do the serving. Yeah, but it says that, that he has invested his riches in you. You have riches that no one else has. The enemy may tell you you have nothing to offer, but it says here, this is your identity. You have riches that he wants you to invest. Oh, well, okay, I, but, 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 I've served before, and I got burned. I, 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 my feelings got hurt, and I, they didn't appreciate the way I served. And <clears throat> I'm just going to throw it in. I'm going to cash it in. Well, no, it says here you're sealed. There's a seal on you. This isn't, the seal is still there. Over everything. 
You know when you, you buy a, a, a jar of jelly? I'm a jelly guy. I'm a connoisseur of jelly. You want to talk jelly, I'll show you my jelly collection. I shop for my jelly at TJ Maxx. And, and Marshalls. They have jellies from all over the world. And the first thing I look at, is the seal still good? Is, not only is it tight, but is there one of those plastic little strips around the lip of it so I know no other idiot opened the thing before me? I want to make sure the seal is not busted. I want you to know your seal is not broken. You can't break your seal, and nobody else can break your seal. You're sealed. You're sealed. He sealed the deal. Our God sealed the deal. From the moment you trusted Christ, you were chosen, adopted. Redeemed, forgiven, made a witness, united, received an investment, and sealed all at that moment. It's who you are. But like Mr. Onada, some of you don't know who you are. You don't know what's true about you. You are chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. All these seven things, those are all true of you if you are in Christ. Don't live under your birthright. Don't live under your inheritance. Now, that is the summary of the first run-on sentence, which is the praise in the first half of Ephesians 1. Now we come to the second half, which is the prayer. Now, if all of that is true, it begs the question, why do we need to pray? Oh, am I glad you asked that question. Why do we need to pray? Because without revelation, there is no activation. What's the prayer for? The whole prayer is for revelation. That, that the eyes of our hearts might be opened. That's what the prayer, it goes on after verse 17, verse 18. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Well, what's that all about? H have you ever seen a bug's eye like um, magnified or like a dragonfly? Um, some of us love dragonflies. A dragonfly, how many eyes? Okay, just don't, don't sound stupid and guess. You don't want to, you're not going to believe this. A dragonfly, um, they have two major spheres that look like um, the guys wearing uh, two motorcycle helmets. That's what he looks like. He's got two, two motorcycle helmets on his head. But on each motorcycle helmet, there aren't 
10 eyes, 20, 50, 100, 1,000. There's at least 15,000 eyes on each motorcycle helmet. 30,000 eyes on the head of a dragonfly. Now, if there's 30,000 eyes on the head of a dragonfly, how many eyes do you think there are in the human heart? Millions. I'm serious. I fully believe that. If God put on the head of a dragonfly 30,000 eyes, surely inside our chest cavity, there's more than that. So Paul's praying that the eyes might be enlightened. One of the great false steps of humanity was the enlightenment. It's a time in history when uh, the arts flourished and all that, but it came out of a revival, and it got hijacked by atheists and, and naturalists who thought that enlightenment is a byproduct of just being human. If that were true, Ephesians 1, the second half, would never have been written. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23 was written because the Enlightenment was a rebellion against the glory of God. It was the showcasing of the best humanity can do, and it ended up in nihilism, and uh, out of that came all kinds of uh, genocide, and, and history shows the horrific results of man who renounces relationship with God. Now, you and I, just by studying, will never get it. We need internal Holy Spirit revelation. We need the eyes of our hearts to be opened. And then out of that revelation is where all the rest of this prayer flows. The next, it's the activation of our spirit, that's the eyes of our heart. It's the activation of hope, verse 18 again, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. God wants to activate your hope once he activates your spirit. Then there's the activation of courage. Again, verse 18, what is the riches of his glorious inheritance inside of you and inside of the people sitting next to you? His glorious inheritance in the saints. That's only known by revelation. Did you hear of the high school student this week who discovered a new planet? You read about this guy? His first name is Wolf. Wolf is 17 years old. He's already been accepted into Princeton where he will start, I think, in the spring or summer. But he was hired as an intern with NASA. Uh, he's extremely intelligent. His third day on the job, he was accessing a satellite that, uh, that has a, a telescope attached to it 
And looking through the telescope, 10 times he sees what he marked as another planet. Uh, sure enough, others confirmed that this was, in fact, another planet. And um, he thought, um, can I name it after myself? <laughs> you know, his name is Wolf. Uh, his brother said Wolftopia. <laughs> well, uh, the name of the uh, satellite that he was actually using to access this, this other planet um, is named Tess, and so that it's going to be named after the satellite that uh, held the, the telescope that he was looking through. But guess how far off that other planet was? It's not in our solar system. I'll just give you that as a clue. Now, we've got a mathematics uh, genius over here, um, but you can just think, so this is a planet in another solar system out there that he discovered. <laughs> uh, so I, I won't keep you guessing. It's located 1,300 light years away. He found a planet seven times the size of Earth rotating around another star. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the things that are out there that God knows and we're still discovering? 17-year-olds are discovering new planets. Well, in, the, in God's kingdom, in the spiritual realm, there are so many more discoveries to be made in to who we are and the way we've been created and to be in proper alignment with God and not just out there, but in here, his glorious inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, he's praying, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Now, once he hits on his power, it's like he reverts back to the first half of the chapter and goes off on this giant praise to the Lord about his power. Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Not only when he raised him, but when he raised him up to be seated at his own right hand in heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Now, there's a part of me that almost would have had him end without those words. It's like, are you kidding me? They're the most shocking words in the whole thing. All this about him and his power and, and raising Christ from the dead, seating him back up in the heavenly places, now for the first time with a physical body and the whole ascension reality. But, and then putting all things under his feet so that his name would be above everything, above music, art, science, the media, all, everything going on in our world. 
all politics and all the Iran issues and, and uh, the, the, the race for the White House and, and all of that. That Christ is seated as head over everything to the church. What this is saying is the end includes us. Everything Jesus is up to in this world includes us. And he saved it till last. There is something glorious about the church. The word church is used nine times in the book of Ephesians. This is the first and we'll be singing a number of times yet to come, but we can't pass it over. I want to make some applications. This, just the first chapter of Ephesians. You've got this huge praise for our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Then it's this huge prayer for our identity in Christ that it would be revealed so that it could be activated. Now, there are those among us here this morning, some of us have never seen the reality of the first half of Ephesians 1 of who we are in Christ. I encourage every one of us, before you cheer for the Chiefs this afternoon, or whoever you're cheering for, <laughs> before you start cheering for the NFL, open Ephesians 1 again and read verses 3 through 14 and mark who you are in Christ. And then there are some among us who recognize who we are in Christ and we think we don't need to pray. What do we need to pray for? And we already, that's who we are in Christ. Once our kids get saved, that's who they are in Christ. No, 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 no. The reason we pray is because without revelation, there is no activation. The reason some of our children have come to Christ early and are not walking with Christ today is because we thought, well, they received Christ, that's the end of it. Brothers and sisters, the reason we pray is for revelation so that there can be activation. And that's what gets me before God every day. It's why I pace this floor almost every day during the week and walk all around the sanctuary and pray for us by name and spend hours in here in prayer for the activation of who we are as a church in Christ. Thank you. Those of you working with children in, in children's ministry, pray, don't just work. Your teaching will do something, but teaching without praying is very limited. Yes. Paul was a greater preacher than I am, but he still needed to pray. What, what was he praying for? For revelation. So that there can be activation of who they are in Christ. 
The two go together. And then there are those of us that, that may pray a lot, but we've forgotten who we are. And we're praying and praying, but without the assurance and the certainty of who we are in Christ, as spelled out in Ephesians 1, it's hard to pray. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. No, but Ephesians 1 gives us both tracks to run on, two legs to move forward. We praise, recognizing who we are in Christ, and we pray for the revelation of who we are in Christ so that out of the revelation will come activation. Hallelujah. And what God does in us, he wants to do in our marriage, in our children, in the next generation, and in our neighbors that come to Christ, and that all this would be duplicated and duplicated and duplicated to the glory of Christ until he comes back again. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for feeding us this morning. Thank you for encouraging us. Lord, even more than the preaching, thank you for meeting us in the worship and the prayer time this morning. But Lord, thank you for giving us meat from the book of Ephesians that we can sink our teeth into, can give us traction. And knowing our identity in Christ and seeing that identity activated in Revelation. Lord, fulfill all those purposes you have for us here in Northeast Atlanta and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.